Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Dialogue on Divorce. I'm Katherine Miller, the founder of the Miller Law Group and director of the Center for Understanding in Conflict. I am on a mission to change how people divorce and to help them divorce with dignity. My guest today is Jody Topitz of We To Me, who Jody helps people redesign and design their living spaces post-divorce in alignment with their new lives. And her own journey began a few years ago when the pain of her own divorce left her reeling. And in the midst of that emotional distress, she recognized that the nourishing effect of color and design brought her back to life. And because she's walked in clients' shoes and already knows the way, she's able to connect people to their space in a way that transforms and helps them achieve happiness and serenity in their new space. Welcome, Jody. It's great to have you on the show. Oh, thank you so much. It's great to be here. And Jody, you know, it's really interesting. We spent a lot of time on Dialogue on Divorce talking about internal space and internal change and internal serenity. And I really love the approach that you have that you can do something to your external space that really makes a difference. Can you tell us some more about that? Yeah, thank you for giving me this opportunity. I think that one of the major problems that is, or situations that are overlooked is when somebody is in the middle of a divorce or post-divorce, it doesn't even matter, they tend to overlook their immediate space. They're so consumed with everything else that is going on afterwards with with the ex-spouse, with the divorce attorney, how the kids are reacting, that they fail to notice the most obvious thing, which is where they live. All of us have to wake up and go to sleep somewhere. And that is really important to address, especially when going through a transition such as divorce. Our space is so important. It's almost, it's almost like, you know, Catherine, when you put on a little bit of lipstick and and you dress up a little bit to go out into the world, even though you're not feeling great, don't you psychologically feel better when you just dress yourself up a bit and put a little effort into how you're looking. I know it sounds may sound superficial at first, but it isn't. It gives you that little bit of oomph that you might need to move forward. Well, the same thing applies to your house. You know, if you can address your space and create an environment that is comforting by surrounding yourself with things that are uplifting, objects in your home that make you feel good, not things that weigh you down, colors that make you feel good. Because really, in the end, it's about how you're space makes you feel, not really how it looks. So it's hugely important to address that and restore a sense of permanency by taking claim to that space that you're in. You know, whether you're downsizing or you're reclaiming the place that you were in when you were married and now your ex is gone and you're trying to make it your own, you've got to take a stake in your environment so that it it is something that represents you. It will help you move forward and a bit about yourself. I think that that is, it's really interesting. I think that a lot of people, myself included, cling in some ways to the physicality, the concrete representation of the marriage. This is going to represent mm-hmm. stability for me or stability for my children. And I remember when my, my ex-husband moved out of that house and I went to his new apartment for the first time 
And it was you know much smaller than our home was. And I looked around and I mm-hmm. thought, you know, this looks so manageable. <laughs> you know, this is wonderful. Yeah. You know, for him, it looks just like everything that he loves. There's no, you know, me like getting in the way. And it's so much more manageable than this really big space that we had. And, and my really my thinking about what is important in the transition really shifted in that moment. Yeah, that's interesting that you should say that the transition is hugely important. And the things that you decide to take with you is very, very important. You could choose to take something that creates a bad memory, or you could choose to take things with you into your new space that are things that maybe remind you of your childhood or make you happy. A great example of that of that is oftentimes clients will have me come in, for instance, and they'll say to me something like, you know, I just don't, I don't know what it is. I, I just don't feel comfortable in my bedroom. And although the bedroom may be aesthetically pleasing, like to you or I, what I end up discovering is when you dig a little deeper, I may say, well, let me ask you, this bedroom set that we worked with and rearranged and we, we made the space look good, where is this from? And the woman, the person would say to me, oh, this is from, we bought this bedroom set on our honeymoon. And so on. I was like, okay, so you bought, you, you're, you're divorced now. This is the bedroom set that perhaps you made babies on 20 years ago. And you're wondering why you're not comfortable in the space. And it's like a really good example of how there is an emotional attachment or sensibility to your objects. You know, people just think function. Oh, it's a bed. I need a bed for my bedroom and therefore it's okay. Well, it's not okay. So when you bring things in that carry some negativity or sentimental value in a negative or sad way, you're not going to want to stay in that room and feel any amount of comfort. You're going to feel uneasy and it's not going to be a good thing. But flip that and take something into your new space that maybe reminded you of, maybe it's your grandmother's chair that you had reupholstered and it reminded you of, of a time when she used to make cookies with you or something. You know, people forget to think about the emotional attachment that their objects carry with them, if that makes any sense. It makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm wondering. It makes a lot, right? It, it does. Yeah, go ahead. And go I'm on. wondering if there yeah. is a room or a, you mentioned the bedroom. Is the bedroom mm-hmm. the most important room to, I mean, it's a very intimate space. And so is there, do you have an opinion about what the most important room to address is? I do. It's funny that, it's funny that I mentioned the bedroom and you asked such a great wonderful question. And why it is so wonderful is that most people think, you know, when you're decorating your house and everything is happy and wonderful, people are like, oh, I want to I want to do the kitchen or I want to take care of the dining room or the living room, what everybody sees when they first walk in. Not the case when you're transitioning into your own new space or reclaiming the space you're already in. The bedroom, like you mentioned, is hugely important. And I would say that would be the number one space to address first because We need to create a sanctuary. So I remember when I lost, for instance, I had my home of 20 years. I owned my home of 20 years, 11 rooms, and I went from 11 rooms to two rented rooms in a completely different town. And although I only had two rooms, and whether I had two rooms or five rooms or 10 rooms, it wouldn't matter, the bedroom was hugely important because at the end of the day, after you've gone through all the crap that you go through and the emotional upheaval and and everything that is connected with your divorce, even if it's a friendly divorce, even if it's collaborative, and even if it's as friendly as can be, it is still like a death. 
And so the reason the bedroom is so important is because all of us, all of us have to go to sleep and wake up somewhere, don't we? That is an essential. So no matter what's going on, we need our rest and we need to feel calm. So if we can address the bedroom first, even if the rest of the house is in disarray and boxes are not unpacked, you want to know that you can close that door and I call it the awe factor. And you can just say, oh, you know, whether you had a good day, a bad day, emotionally trying, whatever it is, you want to know you can get into that bed and just feel safe, number one, eventually feel sensual once again. You know, you'll get to a point where maybe you want to date again and you want to feel comfortable enough to bring someone in, we hope one day. <laughs> but for the, for the immediate time being, it's all about us and it's all about feeling safety because we close our eyes right? We, are, we shut down our guard. So this is the only room in the house, if you think of it, Catherine, where you're not awake. You're closing your eyes, you're letting your guard down, and you better, you better feel safe. And what I mean by safe is emotionally and physically, you know, it depends on, I'm sure you've come across, you know, different situations, but, that's it. but feeling safe physically, like you're in a safe space, your door is locked, you're in a good place, but emotionally safe where you can really be yourself, take a breath, feel good about where you are and get rested so that you're up in the morning to start the day again, no matter how difficult or not it is going to be. You're, you're as rested as you can be. And this is Dialogue on Divorce. We're here every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30 on 1460 AM and WVOX.com. And we're also available as a podcast on my website, www.westchesterfamilylaw.com is also available on iTunes. And we're talking today with Jody Topitz about designing, redesigning your physical space following divorce. And Jody, maybe you could help us understand a little bit of what your process is. When you start working with a client, how do you work with her or with him to think this through? Well, the first thing that I like to do is, or typically what I do with every person, is before I even do any work with them, I want them to feel comfortable enough to, you know, see if they want to hire me because it's a very personal thing. So what I do before I even visit anyone's house is I, I usually have them come to my showroom, my studio, and we sit and we have a cup of coffee. And if they're too physically far away, we'll have a conversation like this and just feel comfortable. And I usually, you know, I'm very transparent. I share my own story. That and then typically what happens is they'll share theirs and now a bond has been created. Once that bond's created, then I agree to meet them and I will go to their space and take a look around. And for instance, if they are already in the space that they're planning on staying in and they don't know what to do first, I like to walk them through and get an idea of what are the things that they that have, that have to stay, what are the things they love, and what are the things that don't work. And many times they don't know what doesn't work. Like, you know, I mentioned before about the bed. It's functional, and they're not thinking that it was maybe their, their marital bed. So I'll walk through the house and I'll say, first from an aesthetic point of view, you know, for instance, a lot of times the place might be too cluttered and or they don't know where to put things. So I'll say to them, look, the first thing that we have to address is where things go. Even if, for instance, you don't want that coffee table and we need to divorce that coffee table, we're going to put the coffee table where it belongs and the couch where it belongs and we're going to get a nice flow going in the house that doesn't feel cluttered. And it goes from one room to another easily. Just like when you look through a space, I always say a cluttered space is a, a cluttered mind and vice versa. So you want to you wanna make sure the space is clean and clear so that you can think clearly. 
I'll talk to them about the things that they don't like in terms of color. Color is like the number one thing I like to address. And I'll find out, for instance, maybe they don't like the color blue. So we'll stay away from that. And by talking to them and looking around and seeing maybe what they're wearing or they have a favorite fob, I'll be able to figure out what a color, a color that might work for them and make them feel good. Because color is an instant mood altering tool. It can make you feel calm, can make you feel agitated, it can excite you. There are, depending upon the room, you need to figure out what color works for that space and then take what's there and place it and then assess whether we're going to take it out and replace it with something else. So once we get everything and we get through the stuff that they don't need and the things that feel good to them, I always hear, I can't live without, you know, such and such. This armoire, I just must have it. Well, that's great. If we can make it work, we will. But if it doesn't fit in the new space, math is math, then we have to figure out what to do with it. So I walk people through the space I assess what they already have. I help them understand what emotional attachment they have to each thing, like we talked about a few minutes ago, whether it's a uplifting emotion or it's dragging them down. We figure out what goes, what stays based on size. I help them determine color and direction and placement. Once all that starts to fall into place, people start to automatically feel a tremendous sense of relief. It's almost like I'm rearranging and decluttering their mind. And all of a sudden, they can look at their space and feel comfortable and be able to breathe. And it's like it, it, immediately, it immediately affects how they feel internally. Like you talked about working on the, you know, internally feeling emotionally sound and, and healthier. Well, by working on your external environment, that directly impacts how you feel emotionally. So I just, I walk, I get, like I said, step number one, I don't want to put pressure on them. I just want to have either chat or a meeting, make sure they're comfortable, share stories so they feel comfortable. Once that happens, I go there, walk through the space, figure out what goes, what stays, and why. Color palette, placement, and then everything starts to unfold. And of course, everything is based on a budget. Just because you may need a new couch doesn't mean you can afford one. So what's an option? So maybe we get a couch cover or maybe reupholster something or maybe, you know, there's so many options that I always have and solutions for people depending upon what their budget is. Where do you so recommend, when do you walk, usually come into the, into the process? Are people usually finished with their divorces or this is sort of during the, the divorce process? What do you think is the best place to start to re- rethink your space? Well, you know what I personally, my personal opinion uh, for that for that question is, I would be great in a, in a perfect world that people or someone like you, you know, you're talking to a client and you say, look, I know you're moving from one space to another. Why don't you give Jody a call so she can help you downsize or home stage the place you're selling so you get the most buck for that space and then she'll help you get into your new space. But I mean, that's the best time when people are all stressed, but typically unless there's another professional that hands out my information to them, that typically doesn't happen. So what happens is now the person has moved, now the divorce is over or they've moved into the new space and they're kind of at a loss. And so they might have now heard of me from, you know, another other person who's already been divorced or another professional that's coming to their, to their life afterwards, like a financial advisor or somebody might recommend my services. But personally, I think it's the best if I can help you go from one space to another 
so that, you know, typically, right, you know, you have to split the house. Well, if you home stage it properly and you make it look as good as possible, you're both, both sides are going to get the most amount of money for it. And then what do you do? What do you take? What goes? What stays? What gets stored? So that's the best scenario. But I find, to answer your question, it's usually people find me after the fact and they've maybe lived in their space six months, six years. I have one person who just called me 10 years. Wow. been living in her marital home. 10 years. Can you imagine, Catherine? 10 years. She said she suffered from bouts of depression because everywhere she looked, it reminded her of the marriage. And now we're just redoing everything. And I'm not saying redoing everything by buying new stuff. Like, uh, for instance, her kitchen, same old kitchen from when she was married, gutting it completely. I'm having the cabinets painted instead of ripped out, saving her a lot of money doing that, putting new hardware now on them. And the place is starting to look completely different. Brand new colors that are soothing to her personally. So I have had people call me during, and I've had people call me six months later, a year later. And like I said, this woman, this recent woman, it's 10 years. I even had a woman a few years back, 15 years divorced. Wow. And she was turning into, yeah, isn't that something? She was turning, I would say she was borderline hoarder. She was turning into a hoarder, and then she was starting to not leave her house. She got laid off from a job that she was in forever. And that was the final straw. And she was finally reached out and said, I can't leave my house. I'm not house proud. I'm embarrassed by the way it looks. I feel like it's suffocating me. I don't know what to do. And that was a real interesting case. And oh, what a lovely woman. And we, I just helped her clear out the three espresso makers on the floor. And, you know, she had like two and three of everything. And we just started cleaning out first, figuring out what was working and what she loved. And the things that brought her sadness, we got rid of. But she didn't know where to start, and she was overwhelmed. So to answer your question, it would be wonderful to get someone during the process if they're, you know, if I can, that's always the best, especially when there's kids involved. But um, if not, you know, I come in at any point in the process. You know, it's so interesting because I I interview money managers all the time, and they often say, you know, it would be really great to get in on the transition so I could be have some opinion. I could express my opinion mm-hmm. as we're starting to pick and choose and divide up these financial assets. Uh-huh. And I think you're saying a very similar thing about the physical space. You know, all right, maybe you're going to be dividing up the furniture. Well, maybe getting some professional help as to how to think that through, you know, rather than saying, mm-hmm. well, you know, you can have the couch in the den <laughs> or you can have right, the, exactly. these end tables in the library or the, or the sitting room and to really sort of think it through. Let's talk a little bit about children and children's rooms. Do you help people work on on how to make that transition? Because that can be difficult, creating a new space for your children. Oh, that is the hardest, most hideous thing to see as a parent. I went through it, and watching my son at the age at the time, he's not that age anymore, but he was 18, and watching him say goodbye to the house that he grew up in was the most hideous moment of the divorce. It was when I saw his face and he said, you mean I'm never going to see my room again? Mm. Can I tell you, share your story? I left. I said goodbye to him. He went back with his dad at the time he was staying with his dad. And I left our home that we were in the middle of selling. And I pulled over at the side of the road and I, and I vomited. I was sickened at how sad he was. And I have such passion for helping the kids because I never want to have a parent feel like I did. I never want to see my son to this day feel that kind of pain. So yes, I especially love helping kids. 
what happens with the children? And let me tell you, it doesn't matter what age. My son was 18 at the time. It doesn't matter if they're 6 or 21. My oldest kid that I worked with, let's call a kid, was 21. And what I very much try to impart to both parents, but typically it's only one parent that's smart enough to hire me. The other one is usually not. But I, I say it's very important for your children, whether they're six or 20, to not feel like they're visiting one parent and living with another one. You don't want to feel like you're visiting dad and living with mom or visiting mom and living with dad. Oh, my backpack's over there. I don't have toothpaste here. And I, my favorite shampoo is over there. There is nothing worse than that, just on a on a day-to-day level. That's disruptive and disheartening and very depressing for kids. Kids You need to restore a sense of permanency for children again. They didn't ask for the divorce. They didn't ask to move. Oftentimes, they may be going to a different school, different neighborhood, switching between the old neighborhood and the new. They are already yanked out of where they're comfortable. And now they've got to adjust to possibly new friends, new location, new everything. And how do you do that? So how do you answer that is... I usually kick the parents out or the parent out, and I really have a one-to-one chat with the kid because that room should be all about them. That room should be their little mini apartment. It shouldn't have anything to do with the rest of the house, I believe. It should be a space where they can feel safe, like you and I talked earlier about feeling safe in your bedroom. They really have to feel safe, and I do that by... Again, talking to them, finding out what things make them happy. What are the things that scare them? I have, I don't know if you have time. I had a great story about a little boy that was terrified to sleep in his room. And I'll share it with you if you have a few moments, but you have to leave me and tell me if you do. I think we have a couple of minutes, but Jody, I want to make sure that you remember, why don't you do this first to give people your contact information if people are interested in reaching you. Thank you so much. Okay, my contact information. First, I'll start with my phone number, 973-985-4386. I answer all my calls. My website is we to me. That's W-E, like the word we, the number 2-M-E, we to me.com. You can also contact me by that, via that way. And I also have a, a show on Princeton, a cable show in Princeton, in, in Princeton, New Jersey called We to Me Divorce Decor, which you can look me up through princetv.org as well. But those are, those are the best ways to reach me. And again, feel free to call me. I'm, I'm very hands on and I, you can see I picked up, I'm on my honeymoon and I picked up my, <laughs> I'm talking to you. <laughs> so That's pretty amazing. So I think we That's have, if you want amazing. to tell the story, I think we have a couple of minutes. And so okay. I think people would Thank be you. very happy to hear it. Oh, great. I think you'll appreciate this very much. So anyway, I'm having, I'm working with this woman and we're doing the house. Everything's going well. And she calls me up one day frantic and she has two kids, a six-year-old boy and a uh, 13-year-old daughter. She says, my son will not sleep in his bedroom. We're doing all these nice things in there. I don't understand it. Please, I'm desperate. My my daughter's up to her ears and frustration, and it's causing havoc in the house. So I go over there. I sat down with him. He was the cutest little thing. He's sitting there in his little Spider-Man pajamas. And the 13-year-old, as you can imagine, is texting and rolling her eyeballs at me and completely hates me. And so I ignore her, and I go to the friendlier <laughs> child, and I say, tell the mom. I said, Why don't, you know, I need to talk to your son by himself. So I said, what's, you know, what's going on? Why, look at your room is coming together and what's happening? And he says, well, I don't want to hurt my mom's feelings. But since my dad doesn't live with us anymore and I'm afraid to sleep alone at night. And that's why I'm sleeping in my sister's room. 
I have to tell you, my I, my eyes welled up and I said, well, I have an idea. I said, do you have any superheroes? And of course, he's wearing the super uh, the Spider-Man pajamas. And he looks at me like I'm a moron. And he goes, yeah, you know, like, hello. <laughs> I got the, I'm wearing Spider-Man. And I don't know if your viewers probably don't know this, but I'm actually a fine artist. You know, I'm a person who does murals. And anyway, I said to him, look, I, I said the same thing to him. I said, I don't know if you realize this, but I'm an artist and I have this idea. What if I did a mural of Spider-Man over your bed so that when you go to bed at night, he will watch over you? Well, the kid runs out. He's so excited to tell his mom. The 13-year-old is now my new best friend because she realizes she got her room back and no longer will her brother be sharing with her. And everyone's happy for the moment. And then he comes storming in with his hands on his hips and he says, it's not going to work. So what do you mean? He said, when I'm sleeping, he's sleeping. And I go, dude, you don't even know how superheroes work. I go, that's not how it works. <laughs> when you're in school, he's sleeping. When you come home, he's wide awake. Problem solved. Um, <laughs> happiest kid ever. Got his Spider-Man mural. The 13-year-old got her really cool room that we made look like a college dorm. And it just was such a happy ending. It was actually my very first client, believe it or not, years ago. Um, and it was the most one of my most rewarding stories. Uh, so well, it sounds like see things differently. Yeah. You know? Well, I really appreciate your time today, Jody Tobitz, on really take, taking a look at the how the external can impact the internal, especially post-divorce, and, and for taking the time while you're on your honeymoon. <laughs> yes, it's my pleasure. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks so much.